In today's episode, we're giving our tips on visiting Disneyland. Hey everyone, I just got back from a trip to Disneyland a little while ago, and Jim and I thought it would be a great time to discuss our tips and tricks as people start planning for their summer vacations. Uh, but first, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. I'm Jim. I've got two daughters, six and eight. So or nine. Uh, is she nine? Oh, oh, man. It is going fast, isn't it? How did we get How did she still eat? <laughs> Well, we just won't we just won't let her listen to the podcast. So she's like, right, Dad, yeah. I'm already not. <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit of background information um, to sort of ground this conversation. Because I found that, you know, so I, again, I went in March of 2022. And just in doing the research for that trip, I found people that had written information. Because um, I think the Genie Plus service had just come out at Disneyland in December. And I found that already the information that they were providing was not the same as what I experienced. So just to kind of, as people are listening to it, know that this is sort of a March experience. It's a few months after they rolled it out. There might still be a little bit of fine tuning, uh, but my guess is it won't be too dramatically different. Um, but sort of, again, that's that's maybe the, the um, just the sort of FYI about the information that's coming through. Yeah, so Dave, I, last time we were in uh, Disneyland, it was pre-COVID, so it had to be 2019, and they were doing the FastPass program. So that's that's done. There's no more FastPass? Yes, yeah, so there's no more like free there's no more free sort of uh reservation system so yeah they there's basically a two sort of genie type services there's the disney genie so this is all app based and what disney genie is it's a planning tool that's free so you i think what you do is you basically say these are the kinds of rides i like and then the app will suggest a schedule for you uh everything i've read says it's it's terrible. It doesn't work real well. Um, but you know, I guess they're trying to figure it out. You know, I think that's, I, I, pro- I wouldn't use it, but some people might. Uh, but the sort of the new piece is the Disney genie plus lightning lane. So the way it works is it allows you to skip sort of go to the head of the line, uh, once per day per ride. And at Disneyland, there are 12 rides that will take the Genie Plus Lightning Lane. And there are seven at DCA, Disney California Adventure. It's a $20 per person or per ticket per day charge. So it, it does add up pretty quickly, right? So family of four, you're at 80 bucks, and you haven't even paid yet for your actual you know entry ticket. Um, and then sort of a few things about this. So uh, you can't really have more than one reservation at a time. There is there is a bit of a um, of an exception to this. So if you book something that is say two and a half hours out, once the two hours once two hours have expired, they will let you book another reservation. So for like thirty minutes, you'll have two reservation slots. Um, so that's kind of how you can have two reservations at the same time. The times that you would go on the ride will differ, and so. My understanding is that Disney World in Florida, when you book a reservation, you have the full schedule. You So if you, at 10 o'clock, you could make a reservation for 6 p.m. for a certain ride. It's not how it works at Disneyland. Disneyland, it's just the next available. So it makes uh, scheduling a little bit, maybe a little bit more complicated. I don't know, maybe that's easier, but it's just, it is something to know. And then you have a one hour window to show up. So this is one of the big pieces that was different for me in terms of everything that I had read about how it works at Disneyland. What I had read is you have a time and then you can show up five minutes early or 15 minutes late. 
which is kind of stressful if you think about your window is pretty small. And depending mm-hmm. on where the ride is, right, you might have to go from one end of the park to the other and you got small kids. So the way it works when we went there is you have a one hour window to show up, which makes life a lot easier to know that plus or minus, you know, you've got a window of an hour, you're okay. Um, and with these things, you can start booking once your ticket gets scanned. So you take your reservation, you go to the line, you scan your ticket. And once that, even though you still have maybe another, you know, 15, 20 minutes to stand in the Disney plus, or sorry, the Genie plus lightning lane, while you're waiting for that ride, you can actually start your next reservation uh, already because it releases your ability uh, at that point. So with the when we were playing around with the fast pass, there was uh, there was a couple of adults, and obviously we had the kids too. But we could we could game it so that so I would set up one reservation or one fast pass. I guess, I guess they call them reservations. And then let's say my brother in law set up another one, and then you know my wife set up a third. And so we could we could kind of game it that way. So we could get you know one every half hour, one every hour, whatever yeah. it is, because we each had these slots. Can you do so? If you got four people in your party, can you can you kind of s- stack it up like that? No. So the way it'll work is. Uh, each person has to make a reservation. So Uh, if we all want to ride the same ride, then, you know, it's one reservation at a time. Yeah. So you can't, you can't game it anymore. Um, So yeah, a little bit more difficult. Uh, And then on top of this sort of genie plus lightning lane, there is an extra sort of uh, other like lightning lane, which is called the individual lightning lane. So this allows you, again, it's, you know, you're skipping the line, you're skipping the standby line. This only works on three rides. So it works on Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland, and it works uh, on Radiator Springs and Web Slingers over at Disney California Adventure DCA. The other sort of difference is that the pricing is variable. It's based on demand. So pricing ranges between $7 to $20 per ticket. Um, so when we were there... For, for the day, not per ride, per the day, right? right? Well, no, it's per ride because you can only ride... Uh, like with this individual lightning lane, if you use it for Rise of the Resistance, it's one time. So you pay $20 to ride it one time for that day. Like you can't pay to do it twice. You, you couldn't... Like if you wanted to use this, you can't like pay $60 and ride, ride Rise three times in one day. So, so you can... So the first is the Genie Plus, which is what you were just describing. So you get the Genie Plus Lightning Lane, and then and that's twenty bucks. Yeah. And then the and that, second is the jump to the head of the line. You can do that once. Well, they're they're both sort of jumping to the head of the line, but the difference is on Genie Plus, it only works on twelve rides at Disneyland and seven uh, rides at DCA. It. The individual it, it does not work on Rise of the Resistance, Radiator Springs, and Web Slingers. If you wanna Got it. If you want to do those, because they're basically saying these are the most popular rides. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to charge you even more for this. This is a separate surcharge, right? So you can imagine that if you're going to do all of this, right? So you're adding $20 to do your Genie Plus. And, and if you want to do Rise, that's another $7 to $20. If you wanted to raise with another $7 to $20. And Web Slingers, another $7 to $20. So potentially mm-hmm. you're paying $60, right? If you're maxing out, or sorry, $80, right? Uh, the three individual lanes of $20 plus the Genie Plus, you're potentially at an extra $80 per day to ride just all this stuff. So so what is it? What's the alternative? How long are wait lines? Uh, is, it, is it worth it? Is yes. it worth it? So, um, yeah. So let me give you just one more thing about the individual lightning lanes before I jump away from that, is that you don't need to pay for Genie Plus to do the individual lightning lanes. So you don't have to pay for Genie Plus to do Rise of the Resistance. You could just do Rise of the Resistance if you wanted to. Um, so I think that's 
uh, pretty important. Otherwise, basically the rest of the terms are, are roughly the same. So, you know, in terms of, is it worth it? Yeah. The lessons totally worth it. And if you're like a numbers person, this is how, like, I cannot, uh, demonstrate this any more, like any better than this. So I asked a couple of ride, like the gatekeepers. So there are people that basically just sit there and let in genie plus people and then stop the line and then let in more genie plus people and so on and so forth. So I, I asked a few of these on different rides because I was getting kind of, I just wanted to make sure that the information was all the same. So here's how it works. If Disney, if the uh, genie plus line is not long, then what will happen at Disneyland is the ratio is four to one. So for every one person who's standing in the standby line who did not pay for that Genie Plus ticket, they're going to let in four people who paid for that ticket. Okay, so you can start to see how. So, is, so four premium for one. Yeah. Regular. Right. So your family of four, if you guys Whoa. stand in line, they're going to be sixteen people that jump in front of you. Right. So you're standing in line. Wow. You get there, and then sixteen people are just going to go right in front of you. Okay. When it's busy. It's going to go from ten. It's going to go ten to one. So for every one person in standby line, they're going to let in ten people in front of you when it's busy. That's Disneyland. Now over at DCA, it gets super crazy. When it's not busy at DCA, it's ten to one. When it is busy, it's a hundred to one. I asked two people because I'm like, that can't be right. It is a hundred right. to one. They will let in a hundred. People. So one person that's wait. So what are the wait lines? What are the wait times for the line? So what it felt like to us because we only made this mistake once. So right, what you don't want to do is if you have a if you've paid for Genie Plus, you don't want to be waiting in a standby line to mm-hmm. find out. Mm-hmm. But we did that. That was a mistake, and that's part of the lessons. But I love that you call it the standby line because that's it's what like they call it. No, that's actually it's no longer the line. Yes, it's now the, it's a standby line. And <laughs> standby line. So uh, I, I believe that we went to the. Um, what is it called? Uh, it's the train. Um, it's Thunder the train. Mountain. Thunder Mountain. I think that the line said 45 minutes. And so we didn't go in with our Genie Plus because we had our Genie Plus was being used for another ride. So we, we had to wait for mm-hmm. this other ride to come mm-hmm. up. So we're like, all right, we'll go to Thunder, you know, because the kids wanted to do that. Well, our daughter in particular. And I believe that the line was 45 minutes long. When we got out of the line, the actual wait time was about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. So it effectively wow. doubles. So that is one of the lessons is basically if you are standing in a line that accepts Genie Plus, know that the standby numbers are going to be completely messed up, right? Because that standby time right. is based on, I think, not knowing – because a lot of times, right, it's it's not like a number that is that they can automate too much, right? It's just if you're standing at this mm-hmm. point in the line, it's going to take 45 minutes. But of course, what is not accounted for is that there are right, that's not 10 people jumping in, they're jumping in yeah. front of you and you have no idea – if 10 people are going to jump in front of you or if it's going to be four people jumping in front of you. So there's really no kind of good way to, I think, understand what the standby times look like if you're just going to use um, Disney, right? There are a number of services, like I think Touring Plans is one of them. There are a number of services out there that actually you can subscribe to that will supposedly give you time so you can kind of help plan. And I know people that use those services religiously. I used it the first time I went. I didn't find it was very useful. And so we just skipped it this time. And in hindsight, if you're going to be using the uh, Genie Plus, I don't think it really matters. I don't think you need the touring plans and things like that to kind of tell you what the wait times are because you don't really care because you're kind of going to the front of the line. I mean, there's still going to be a little bit of a wait, right? So like I think at Radiator Springs, 
we walked in and um, we still had to wait maybe 10 or 15 minutes in line, but mm-hmm. it was dramatically different than like the hour, hour and a half line, certainly at Rise of the Resistance. I mean, the first time we went to Rise, we must have timed it right because we walked in and we were in the ride, I would say in about five minutes, but that line was showing about two hours. So, you know, that's, that is, that is where the, you know, if you can swing it, it's the difference between five minutes in line. I mean, this is an extreme five minutes in line and two hours in line. It doesn't always happen that way, but that was an example. So, um, so, I mean, this is, there's two things that it's kind of mind blowing in two ways. One is the, 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 so here's the thing I've always said about Disney is that the logistics to fund ratio is all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, you got like too far to walk, too long yep. lines to wait in, too far to go for food and just everything just kind of feels all wrong. So this kind of solves that in one sense. The other thing that's kind of blown my mind is the economics of all this. So, I mean, Disney, a full day, as you said, for a family of four at Disney is, is not a cheap outing. Nope, that's not anymore. That is, that is an expensive day. And so what kills me about this is why wouldn't anybody do this? So is this, this is, <laughs> it feels like it punishes the families that are at the limit of their budget and they can't drop another 80 bucks. Yes. It, no, it, 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 it absolutely and does. And that is, that, that's what's mind blowing to me. It's the, the economics of that is hard to kind of fathom. Yeah. Because you would think that everybody would do this. Yeah. Right? And, they, but obviously not everybody's going to, otherwise they, they'd price it differently. Right. I mean, they certainly are getting uh, backlash from people that are like, you're just nickel and diming us. I mean, that's kind of the new CEO. Well, the, the CEO now is, he's kind of known for that. Uh, I mean, you, all right. So you talk about the economics, right? They're, uh, so their first quarter 22 earnings call happened just a couple weeks before we went and I was paying attention and they said between a third and half of visitors are using the genie plus service. So again, if you think about, you know, mm-hmm. all these other people that are jumping in front of in line, like half, like one out of every two people that you see standing in the park are potentially using the service and jumping in front of your line. So, mm-hmm. you know, now I think, uh, say what you want about Disney and whether or not this fits with the, the brand identity and everything, but effectively what is happening is they are increasing the, the revenue from the parks while decreasing traffic, right? So there are mm-hmm. fewer people are going, but they're getting more money out of these people, which is good for the company. And for those people that are able to pay, they're actually having a better experience because they're able to pay the $20 to get more rides in, right? So I do, it does feel like they're like, look, we're just going to maximize the people that can pay at the top end of it. And that's good for those people that can get you know, a better experience and we'll get more money out of it because they're, the revenue to the parks is up while the attendance is down. Mm-hmm. So they're clearly you know, eking out more just, money per yeah. person. But of course, yes, the problem is if you are just kind of – if you've been saving up for this for a year, two years, three years, and this is your big thing – it's going to be a little, you know, it's not going to be potentially what you want. And, you know, I was there, uh, and I'll get to this a little bit later on, but we were in line at Rise and it shut down while we were there. And, you know, we had passes, so I'll get to it later, but they're just going to give us an extra pass and we'll just jump back in line, no problem. But if you were in that standby line sitting there for two hours and then that thing shuts down and, you know, and and there was a woman who was just, she was not having any of it. She's like, this is the third ride that's gone down for me today. Who do I need to talk to? Because I mean, yes, if, if you've been standing in line for two hours, or if this is your one day or your only two days, right, whatever, and this line that you've been waiting and goes down, like that is that just gonna completely screw up your entire trip. 
And, and your cool experience. Yeah. I mean, they are definitely, it's, it certainly feels like they're nickel and diamond people. And so again, I, if you can afford to swing it, uh, I would, you know, but again, right. We're talking $20 per ticket per day. Yeah. You know, that can, I mean, just that piece alone is significant. Uh, it's significant. And that's, you know, again, I don't even know if you're going to go and like do, you know, Rise and then, you know, Radiator Springs and, and Web Slingers. So that's an extra, you're, you're now at an extra $40 per day per person. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, $80 mm-hmm. per day per person, right? That adds up really, really fast. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're there for maybe three days in the park, but you're effectively paying for five days because of mm-hmm. all of these add-ons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it, it, uh, it's expensive. but it and I'll get to it later. I'll I can kind of put a number at least on our experience of how this worked. Um, but like, here's a few other kind of tips. And and you know, as we talk about this whole experience, right? I would say never ever get in lane get in a lane or sorry get in a line that has a lightning that is a lightning lane ride or genie plus ride if you're not going to use your genie plus pass, right? Which is exactly what happened to us on Thunder Mountain. We had the reservation was blocked so we couldn't make a second one and now we basically stood in that line even though we had a pass that we could use later in the day right so i'm sure if we had used the pass and my daughter did it probably would have only been in line for 10 or 15 minutes instead we spent an hour and a half for what really should have only been 10 or 15 minutes and that was really just not understanding how to maximize the the use of the genie plus reservation system so we learned that Mm -hmm. real fast we made that mistake once and we got that out of the way. Um, you know, other tips are going to be as soon as you scan in for your Lightning or for your Genie Plus reservation, you can immediately schedule the next one. So definitely do so, right? Because again, like, you know, we did say Radiator Springs, that's individual Lightning Lane, but it goes for all of them, right? You, you're going to scan it. You're still going to have a little bit of wait, 5, 10, 15 minutes. You may as well use that time to schedule your next one. So just, you know, bang that out right out the gate. And here's something that I think on the very first day we were kind of nervous about, which is you have a one-hour window. You don't need to show up early for that window. It's a one-hour mm-hmm. window for a reason. And we did blow some time in the first day because we showed up like 15 minutes early because you know some of these people I read said, oh, you can show up five and our little, our little buffer. And so basically now you just wasted 15 minutes because they're not going to let you in yet. And there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do in 15 minutes, right? A lot of times. So, okay. So, no. so an hour, an hour from your reservation time. So you got to, if, if your time starts at one and you show up at 1245, that's a waste of time, but yes. you show up between one and two. Yeah, you're fine. So you show up at 150, you're good. Right. And so that's what we started to do is we started like stop stressing the beginning of the, of the window and just mm-hmm. look as long as we're within this window, we're fine. Um, Cause I think it's, you can only show up five minutes early. I don't know how late you can show up. Uh, we never tried it and it never occurred to me ask. Um, so I don't know if there's a grace period on the back end, but I mean, an hour seems like more than enough time to be able to get in there and, uh, and do it. And, you know, the other thing I noticed actually is there does seem to be sort of ebbs and flows to it. So for radiator Springs, you know, I, I think we were at like, uh, whatever, like two forty, two thirty five, and we showed up like 10 minutes early and we tried to check in, uh, and they turned us away. And then, uh, we went back at two thirty five, and the line, the lightning line, was huge because everybody's mm. starting to line up for the 35. So um, again, like, okay, well now you're still standing in front of all So you may as well just let all those people go and show up 20 minutes later where there are fewer people. Um, yeah. Cause there were two rides that one in the Indiana Jones ride where we 
everybody was asking like, is this the Genie, is this Genie Plus line? Because this is a really, really long line. And it still goes way, way faster, uh, even if it looks like it's much longer. But now you're stuck behind all these other people, whereas if you maybe just waited, and you still can, right? You could show up and be like, wow, that line's too long. Let's go grab something to eat for 30 minutes and come back. And chances are much of that line will be gone and it'll just reduce your time in that Genie, in the Genie Plus line. So that's another thing. Just don't kind of stress the beginning of it. Um, which was a big deal. Uh, one other thing we found was interestingly, the lightning lane reservation times at DCA are much more spaced out. And I think that's because at DCA, they only take seven, there are only seven rides that take the Genie Plus, whereas at Disneyland, there's 12 of them. And so, whereas at like um, Disneyland, you might find that the next available reservation is like 30 minutes away. Uh, at DCA, a lot of times we would find the next available reservation is like two hours, two and a half hours later which is utterly crazy. Um, and so it's just, you kind of have to get used to that. Uh, and actually here's a completely random tip. We were in line to do the goofy, um, the goofies ride. And so what had happened was, I can't remember how exactly this worked, but I think my son and I had already done the goofy ride. So we had blown through R2. So it means we couldn't use the lightning or the genie plus ticket again. And my daughter and wife were going to do it, but my son wanted to do it again. So we were trying to figure out how we could go together as four because we only have two passes for the Genie Plus, which takes us to the front of the line. And it's a long standby line. And as I was in line, so they decided they would give us the you know the, the ride to, to Goofy because my wife and daughter had done a whole bunch of other rides. And so I'm standing in line and I heard this kid say, I'm a single rider. And there are single rider, uh, you know, like all these things, there's single rider slots. And so here's the kind of trick that we did is the Goofy Ride, it seats four, right? And so if there's a group of two in front of us, the chances are they're going to take a group of two and then they're going to pull two people out of the individual, the single rider line. So what we did is we had my wife and daughter go into the single rider line because there weren't a lot of single riders. And we figured by the time we got to the front, all the single riders would be gone. And as two people... There were the group in front of us was four and the group behind us was four, right? So naturally we would, if, if my daughter and, uh, and wife weren't with us, we would just ride two people in the car. And mm-hmm. so what they did is they basically went in as two individual riders and we met up at the front of the line and they said, Hey, can we join up with our family? Cause there's two of them. And it allowed them to basically skip the ride. And so we were all able to ride together with, which was basically effectively a genie plus wait time as opposed to standing in line with the four of us. So, um, how, how do you coordinate that? How do you, so it seems like a, it, there, like there's a, a team timing. Yeah. There, there was a little bit of timing. I mean, I kind of looked at the length of the line. I'm like, there's gotta be uh, a couple people. So part of it is we looked at the line in front of us uh, in front of me and my son who were in the genie plus line. And then we also looked at the line who was in front of the individual rider line, right? Because what you can do is if you're in front of the individual rider, you can just keep letting people go in front of you until the rest of us catch up. Right. right and so I right. told my wife, I'm like, look, if, you know, if, if you get to the front and we're not there yet, just let everybody else go. And cause you know, if, if my wife and daughter weren't there, then there would be nobody there anyway in the, in the individual line. So it'd be fine. So um, I was just like, just ask them if you can come with us because we're only two. And again, the math works out because there were four people in front of us and four people behind us. So our car was going to be, it was only going to be me and my son anyway. So it's not like we actually technically jumped the line or anything because they were only going to take the two of us anyway. So it 
only works on certain, like the math has to kind of work out and the line kind of has to work out. It did in this case, it worked out perfectly. Um, so you are taking a bit of a chance, but if nothing else, you know, my daughter was fine with riding solo anyway, and my wife would have rode solo anyway. So if it didn't work out, we all would have gotten on. It just would have been in three completely different cars, but it, it, <laughs> it did work out pretty well. Um, Oh, and speaking of, I guess, the different ages, right? So again, my daughter is eight and she's all about the thrill rides right now. All she wants to do is like Space Mountain and you know all these other things. Um, and my son, on the first day we did all that and he said he had fun. But when I'm like, do you want to go again? He's like, no. So <laughs> what you can do with uh, these reservations is, remember, it's one time per ticket per ride, but they're not checking that the tickets are they're not checking that the ticket is dave and the, you know that the they're not checking that the ticket goes with a person so what we did was my son wanted to do buzz lightyear a couple of times my daughter wanted to do space mountain a couple of times so she did space mountain with my wife that was there one time through and then they took our tickets and put our tickets on the space mountain right so she was able to go twice and what we did was we used buzz lightyear for me and my son and then we used the buzz lightyear that should have been for my wife and my daughter for second time mm-hmm. for me and my son. So you mm-hmm. can do that if you have uh, different ages and if there's different interests. So um, there's a little bit more organization, but you can do that. So how does that, I mean, I'm guessing that it's an app you scan on the phone. I mean, do you yeah. have to have your wife's phone there to scan it or? No. So um, what we did is you basically, uh, I just created one account and both of us use the same account. And so mm-hmm. we can manage it. The only sort of complication with that, right, is that, so let's say that my wife uses my reservation to, do, to book her next uh, Space Mountain. Now, all of a sudden, I have to figure out how to now manage the remaining two tickets to figure out, uh, you know, okay, she's now she's now holding my tickets for that Space Mountain reservation. Now I have to figure out how to manage mine. And so that also when she releases that, then I can use the Buzz Lightyear tickets. So there is just a little bit of organization. It's not too complicated, but um, there's a, a slight bit of organization uh, that happens there. So um, just kind of something to think about. Uh, for ride. So you, you can kind of game it. So a little like bit. The fast you can, yeah. A little bit, but it is still one ride per ticket. Right. Right. And, and so that's kind of, the, that is the, that's the limitation. Um, I would say rise cause everybody wants to get on rise of the resistance, right? That's the star Wars ride. That's, it's the cool thing. Uh, if you really want to do that, you book it, book the individual lightning, like blow the money. It's worth it because otherwise you're going to be standing in line for two hours and maybe the thing breaks down, but you want to book it in the morning because apparently that ride, (laughs) excuse me, is known to go down. It's known to break quite frequently. And having been on it now twice, I totally get it. It's, it is super unique. It's not like anything I've ever been on. And I get why it's so complicated. It's, it's basically sort of multiple rides built into one experience. And so I see why it breaks down. And so what happened for us is, the second time we went um, on the second day, we had booked, I think, like an 11 o'clock um, reservation. And we were standing in line. And just as the ride starts, it breaks down. And so um, it, it turns out the ride is down for like two or three hours. And when we finally go back, I heard this guy who went up to the, the employees and said, hey, I, I can't book uh, an individual lightning lane. You know, why not? And they're like, it's sold out. 
right? Because effectively it's gone down for two or three hours. And now all the people that were supposed to have been there now have to get on in the afternoon and then with all the other reservations. So it could be like two o'clock in the afternoon, the park might close at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, but there's no more ability to buy that light. Mm -hmm. You have lost your your opportunity. So you really, if that is really absolutely something you want to do, get that out of the way, bang it out, be done with it, and just make sure that you've done it. The earlier you book, it just gives you more latitude in case the ride breaks down. Um, so really important. And then here is uh, if the ride does break down, right? Because that's the next thing you want to know is, you know, you've paid $20, the ride breaks down. You're like, okay, what happens? What will happen is they'll just basically give you, they'll sort of refund your ticket. They'll give you that, uh, I think they release, they simply release it. And so now it's up to you to basically be monitoring the app to find out when the ride comes back online. And then you kind of have to repay. But what they'll also do is for, you know, for your troubles, they'll give you a free Genie Plus reservation. And you can use that at any of the 12 rides to take Genie Plus. So it won't work for Rise. It won't work for Spider-Man. It won't work for um, uh, Radiator Springs. But it'll work for all the other rides that it will take. And that one you can use as like a second. So you can jump on a ride that you've already done. And there's no reservation time. So you literally walk up to any ride that takes Lightning Plus, or uh, sorry, Genie Plus. You walk up to any ride. You don't need a reservation. It's just sort of you just walk right in, and you're able to um, book that. So uh, that I mean, we had that question because we were in line for um, Monsters Inc. and it went down. So that's kind of it's important to know that. Um, and then just sort of some non-sort of ride things. You know, the park opened for us at eight o'clock. And so we were in line at the security gate at seven or by seven. And that put us at the front of the line for the rope drop. Because I think the security opens probably around like 7, 20, 7, 30. And then you're just that big courtyard area. And then you can stand in front of the Disney gates. Um, and it, actually, this was kind of interesting. This, the, the last day we were there, we were the third group in line for our tickets. And so, wow. you know, when you stand there at Disneyland, uh, when they're ready to open, they have a countdown, right? Three, two, one, yay. And then people start running in and it never occurred to me before, but I'm like, wait a minute, how are they doing that? Because if it's three, two, one, and then you have to start scanning people, then three, two, one, mm-hmm. nothing happens. Right. But what is happening is three, two, one, people are running in. And so I now know because I was third in line, they scanned the first three groups so they three, oh, two, wow. one, and then those people just run in. And then starting with the fourth, now they're scanning tickets. So it's all part of the huh. Disney, right? It's like how they build the excitement and everything. So it's it's uh, it's quite a science. But so on that first day, or on that last day, you know, we were early enough that, you know, you're able to get down Main Street and then stand sort of behind the line in uh, whatever land that you want to be in. And so we had decided on that third day, the girls wanted to go to Space Mountain first. And my son and I, he wanted to hit... Uh, Buzz Lightyear. And so what it meant is because we were, my wife now was second in line at the rope drop. So when they, when they rope drops go and she's, you know, basically the second row people in. So they hauled off to space mountain, which allowed them to jump on space mountain without using the Ginny plus pass. Mm -hmm. They can Mm -hmm. use it again. And for us, Buzz Lightyear is basically the first ride in Tomorrowland, which is where that that line is. And so we were the very first people on the ride for the day. And then wow. we got off and we did it three, four times in a row 
without uh-huh. line. We just get off and just get right back on, get off, get right back on. So it's kind of a great way to bang out a bunch of rides, you know, if the sort of the timing and the distance work. And that was his favorite ride. So we, yeah, we just four times in a row. I actually, it was funny because, you know, Disney has all these little fun things that you do. And I was kind of hoping that being the first one on the ride, we would get some special token or something. We did not, but I was kind of <laughs> hoping for that. But yeah, we were the first ones on the ride. And then, yeah, we, we, we did it four, four more times or three more times, no line at all. And then we eventually went to star tours. But my guess is we, if we really wanted to, we probably could have done that thing. Uh, given kind of how it loads, maybe seven, 10 times before there was even a line. So, wow. you know, you just kind of bang out a few at the beginning. And, and again, we didn't have to blow our reservation. You want to wait for that, you know, towards the afternoon when the line's getting really, really long. Um, so isn't there, isn't there a staggered wait time or staggered uh, entry time? Isn't Because I know that uh, so my mother-in-law bought us the tickets where mm-hmm. we could like get into the park. Early. Yeah, early. So, yeah, if you – so normally at Disneyland, if you stay at the hotels, you get in an hour early. I think that's magic morning. And I think there's also another way to do it, like if you pay an extra fee or something. They're not doing that right now at Disneyland. Um, okay. So – and actually it worked out well because we were hoping to stay at a Disney – land hotel just for that reason to get in an hour early and um they were all sold out because we made our reservations like we decided i think only like three weeks before they were going to go to disney it was kind of on a whim actually and so thankfully we didn't blow all the money and then find out that we weren't going to get the extra Mm -hmm. one hour advantage so the first time we went we did um and so yeah there 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 is a bit of a staggered time for that but Right now at Disneyland, there is no stagger time. Everybody's on even footing, which is kind of nice. And actually, the other thing is that that also means that the people that stay in the hotels, they get to book if they want to. They can start booking things through Genie Plus or uh, individual Lightning Lanes before one hour before everybody else, which my understanding Mm. at like Florida, it's huge. I've heard uh, even actually I've read some stuff that says at Disneyland. So we went a little bit off season, although – the tickets were the highest price, so I'm not sure. I don't know. It sounds like it was off season, but the tickets were as highest price. Um, but I've heard that even at Disneyland, Rise of the Resistance can sell out by ten o'clock. Or sorry, by eleven o'clock. So mm-hmm. you know that extra. You know, I, I think it was like I, I read some places that like if you book at like seven thirty, you're actually booking for like a ten o'clock uh, reservation. Like it's just kind of crazy. So that's not at all our experience. Um, but you know, I think it'll just, it's sort of, it'll, it'll vary a little bit, certainly by park. And also if, if that extra hour goes back into effect, um, you make a good point just in talking about generally, and my best experiences at both Disney world and Disneyland were, were early in the morning and late, late at night. night. And, and, and I think that, and particularly with younger kids, we'd kind of take the middle of the day off and go back to the hotel, take a nap or something. So we could hit the early morning times and then you know, late at night when all the kids go home, the park kind of empties out a little bit. So it sounds like using Genie Plus not only gives you that time, but maximizes that time mm-hmm. uh, the best you can. Yeah, and you can plan a little bit, right? I mean, there's some limitation to planning because you can only book the next available. Whereas if you were in Florida, you could actually plan out like, all right, it's 10 o'clock. Let's book all of our afternoon. You know, let's book from three o'clock on because we're going to go back to the hotel. You can't really do that at Disneyland because of the way it works, but I think you can still manage it a little bit. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, actually the other thing is it rained a little bit while we were there. And that is a, that is an immediate, like people start running mm-hmm. for the exit because <laughs> yeah. it was also like around dinner time, and you could just see the floods of strollers just like, all right, we're out of here, mm-hmm. which was great on the first day. Cause now all of, you know, we just kind of had to, weather about 20 minutes of light rain and then it it certainly felt like the park had sort of 
released a lot of people at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the people with the young kids were like, screw it, we're out of here. It's raining. You know, we were only going to stick around for another hour anyway. So let's just leave now. So, um, yeah, rain was, I think rain is, is probably definitely helpful. Um, yeah. So, so going back to the, that early morning and, and kind of thinking about, the first rides, like do I'm clearly a planner. I think it's, that's coming across in this, uh, but certainly, <laughs> uh, you know, think about your first ride and the distance your kids can cover. So when we're standing in, you know, those lines for the rope drop and we're all kind of like bunched up, you know, people stand in front. There are, I think a few different entrances. There's, you know, fantasy land and Tomorrowland, And then uh, sort of, the fastest way to get to you know galaxy's edge and it's very clear that everyone's basically like the majority of people are queuing up at galaxy's edge which is probably not the best place to start if you have young kids because galaxy's edge is like the furthest point from the front of the park right and for us with like a five-year-old and an eight-year-old we're not going to outrun a bunch of adults that are going to just haul over to that end of the park right so you know, for us, certainly on that last day, having thought through, hey, the first rides, like Buzz Lightyear is right here and Star uh, Space Mountain is not that far from the front. Uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to kind of, especially if you have younger kids or strollers, like try and keep it close. I will say, though, that on the first day, we all make a beeline for Fantasyland. Everybody makes a beeline, it feels like, for Peter Pan, like because it's like the mm-hmm. first close ride in fantasy land and i've done that twice i'm not sure if that's the smartest move we've done it twice the line does move pretty quickly because also we're kind of at the front of it um but that is you know it's it's just kind of think about the proximity to the front and and how quickly your kids can move because i think that's a big one other things that we planned out so like you know when i go to or when we go to museums or amusement parks or anything aquariums we always plan to eat lunch on the earlier side, so we're not sort of caught up in you know not enough tables and too many lines. And I think because of the pandemic, I think that they shifted a lot of their stuff to online. I don't know if that was as big of a deal earlier or not, but you can order all your stuff online if you're not going to like the sit-down restaurants, if you're going to sort of the cafeteria style. And that makes life so much easier because they basically give you a time frame. So you can say, all right, I want to, I want to eat now. And they say, okay, the next available slot is right now or 15 minutes later. And then you order your stuff and they'll tell you, Hey, it's ready. Just let us know when you're here. And it's, it's way more efficient. So you just roll right in, you they'll direct you to a window and you know, you've already paid. So it's like 30 seconds in and out and you're looking at all the people. Oh, that's great. Right? It, yeah. They didn't have that when I was no, there. That's fantastic. Right. And, and I'm looking at all these people that are paying, you know, with credit cards that are not you know, ordering online. And I'm like, man, you're, you're waiting in line like for 10 minutes for no reason. Mm-hmm, so for me, mm-hmm. it just made life so much easier to plan. And also it allows you to basically say, Hey, we're at one end of the park. We really want to eat this thing. You know, by the time we get there, you know, we can place our order and, and schedule it all out. So by the time we get there, the food's ready. So it, yeah. I think it really, really helps. Um, we did bring our food. We brought food. Um, we brought lunches for the first two days just to save a little bit of money because because we did buy Genie Plus mm. and we did do all the individual organizers. <laughs> you know, it saves a little bit of money here. Um, so we brought food. Oh, and speaking of food and, and all this online ordering, uh, I put my credit card information into the app before uh, we got uh-huh. to Disneyland, which is pretty important. And I think also, you know, if you're going to do, again, Rise or Web Slingers or Radiator Springs, you have to pay for that in the app. 
And there is, I think, a 10-minute window. So once you make the reservations, you have 10 minutes to actually pay for it. But that's not really something you want to be futzing around with while you're at the park and stressing mm-hmm. out about it. So, you know, get like link your credit card before, link your pass and do all that stuff before. And really, you know, familiar, familiarize yourself with the app. Like I played around with the app a couple days before I kind of figured out where everything was. And that was really very helpful. So I felt pretty confident when we were in there. I knew what I was doing. You know, you mentioned being a planner. I am, uh, in some respects, I'm a planner, but I've never been a planner, like going to the park. I've, I'm kind of the, uh, let's just go and kind of have an experience. And then after going to the park with people who are planners, man, is that a, like, it does not just double your experience. It's like quadruple. It's so much better. And so all the things that you're describing is, you know, you put your credit card info ahead of time, you know, do the planning out the rides and all that, a little bit of effort. It's not a lot of effort, a little bit of effort. And it sounds like you had a much better experience than you would have otherwise if you had just kind of traipsed in and and tried it off the cuff. Yeah. And and okay, so here's how it plays out, right? If you really want to kind of think about the numbers. So day one, we were at Disneyland, our first time using Genie Plus and the individual lightning lanes. So we were in the park for 12 hours. So that also includes probably like an hour for lunch and dinner. So we did 13 rides on day one. So that's 13 rides, 12 hours. Again, I'm not going to subtract out lunch and everything, but that's one ride every 50 minutes. Day two, we head over to DCA. We're now really kind of understanding how to use the app. You know, we're getting more comfortable with it. Day two, we're at the park, 12 and a half hours. Again, I'm not counting lunch and dinner in here. We do 16 rides in 12 and a half hours. That's one ride every 43 minutes. Day three, now we're solid, right? We, we have, uh, yeah. you know, we have, what is that? 29 rides on our belts. Like we really know how this thing works. So on day three, we did 22 rides in 12 and a half hours, again, with lunch and dinner. That's one ride every 31 minutes. And included in that are longer rides, like Rise of the Resistance and some of these things that, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to be in line for a, a while. So, uh, you know, again, going back to that planning, I really feel like, a little bit of planning. And again, this is where you can sort of maybe justify spending the extra money is, you know, one ride every 31 minutes at Disneyland. That yeah, feels pretty good. I'll, I'll take that's, those. That's odds. your money's worth. Yeah. I'll take those odds. And again, some of it is because, you know, we did Buzz Lightyear, you know, four times in a row on that last day. So it's kind of managing that. Uh, and we, you know, day three was sort of highlights and things like that. So there's, you know, places where you can kind of cheat and, you know, again, do those rides, get in the same ride three or four times. But this is really, I think, how it all plays out, you know, if you're really sort of interested in, you know, how to maximize. And to me, this in very stark terms really tells you how this works. Because if you're not paying for Genie Plus, there's no way you do 31, mm-hmm. you know, one ride every 31 minutes. Just it, there's no, no way. So uh, again, if you can swing it, it, it really, really is worth it. And then I think the last uh, tip that I have, I just want to plug a podcast, Jim, that, that we did way back in episode five and about lost kids. And I think that's an important one. You know, we had talked about, so one of my big things when we go to new places, museums or otherwise, I'll sort of point out, hey, these are the people that work here. Look for the orange vest, look for the blue shirt, whatever it is. And so that was my plan, right? We get to Disneyland, I'm going to point out who the employees are. And I get there and I'm like, I forgot the employees are dressed differently based on the ride that they work on. So that doesn't work at all, right? They all have their little name tags, but when you're a five-year-old, you probably can't see that far up. And so we reverted to, 
the thing that you know you and I were talking about that you're a proponent of is like go find a parent, right? Go find a mom who can help you out. And what I told my son in particular, because again, he's five, he's not the loudest kid. I'm like, look, what you probably need to do is go tug on a pant leg or grab somebody's hand because parents are super distracted by their own kids. There's so much sensory, yeah. you know, overload that it's very possible that you as a little five-year-old are talking to a parent and they have no idea you're talking to them, yeah, right? right? <laughs> so I'm like, you pull on some pants, grab a hand, you know, grab something uh, and get their attention and, you know, they will sort it all out. And the other thing that I always do is we take head-to-toe pictures because, right, so much easier yeah. to say this is what they're wearing versus like, yeah, I think it was a pink shirt and jeans and maybe some black shoes. I think they were Nikes. I don't remember. So, you know, those head-to-toe pictures, super useful for easy reference. And we so we actually saw the the process in play. So we were sitting on Main Street. There was kind of like a mini parade because they don't do the big parades anymore because of COVID. So they do like – it's maybe like a – 10 minute parade it's it's really a a small sort of thing and and they do it more frequently and so we're watching this and it's over and i hear this woman behind me talking to an employee and she says i've been watching this girl she's probably two years old she's like i've been watching this toddler for about five or ten minutes and it does not appear to me like the parents are here and the employee was like no problem i'll take care of it thanks for letting me know she's like what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna follow this girl a little bit and just kind of see what happens I guess because sometimes, right, the kid just kind of wanders off and they and they manage to wander back. And she's like, I'm going to follow her. And then, you know, if not, you know, I'll pick her up. And, you know, there's a place that, you know, I mean, look, how many hundreds of kids get lost at Disney every day? Yeah. But so it's kind of interesting to see the process play out. And so she followed this little toddler. She was maybe five, ten feet behind her. Uh, she followed her for a little bit. And then out of nowhere – what I think was the father because you know he had that look of relief on his face just yeah. <laughs> rushing in and picked her up and like oh my god here you are so um you know but obviously Disneyland is very very familiar with how to handle these things but it's just you know one less way to you know if we can kind of keep track of the kids and just make it a little, that much easier I think it makes a lot of sense so we also have in that in that podcast episode five we we do have other uh, other tips that we talk about and and we talk about some of our own experience having gotten separated from our from our child uh, in the past and, and just how scary that can be so that I think that's worth a listen to um, if you're headed out for anything like this do people still use the leashes uh yes they do they do uh, they yeah. do and uh, I I do kind of look at it like ah oh, but at the same like conceptually i understand why you would leash a kid yeah, i kind of get it but, but yeah. it does feel a little weird it does feel yeah. a little weird um yeah i don't i never leashed my kid uh i did no, I, I did have a geo bit for them since it's a, it's a tracker it's a location tracker and you can set up like geo fencing bluetooth geo fencing so if they get like it's you can determine the the, the size of the fence so you could say like if they get 20 feet away from you, you'll basically, your phone will vibrate and it'll let you know your kid's kind of getting with, uh, uh, away from a 20 foot radius from you. So I did put those trackers on the kids, uh, just as sort of a backup safety precaution. And it's not as sort of intrusive. I don't think they, yeah. they sort of roughly kind of know what it is, but they're like, whatever, it just attaches to their belt. And I'm less worried about the eight year old. She, you know, the night before, like, what's the phone? You know, what's mommy's phone number? Okay, we're you know, yeah. we're fine. You're good to go. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of how we handled it. But uh, yeah, I mean, as we talked about, right, just kind of having that conversation, the safety conversation with the kids in advance, I think is, is important, especially at a place like Disney, where it's just, there's just so many people. And, yeah, and, and so many distractions and so many things yeah. that attract uh, kids' attention or they get lost in the stores. Yeah. And, yeah. It can be, it can be so difficult. easy. So easy. Well, so, you know, if you're headed down to Disneyland, I think, to me, the big takeaway from all of this, and and actually the first trip that I took to Disneyland, is I think be realistic about what you can accomplish, especially with little kids, uh, and you know just know that sometimes they'll throw you for a loop. You know, when when I was planning this trip, I figured, well, if we could bang out you know one ride an hour, I'd be pretty happy with that, right? That was sort of my expectation, and you know, as I talked about, we far surpassed that, so I'm super happy about that, but. The first time uh, we went to Disneyland, my daughter was three and she had a fever. She was sick, but man, that girl was a trooper. Uh, and we, we, we got on Peter Pan just like this. That was the first ride we did and she knows the story and it scared her. And then I think we did another ride. I can't remember what it was. And she was scared of that. I'm like, this is not going at all the way I thought it was going to go. And I had planned that we would do some you know, princess chasing because she was in that phase at three. And so we went to one of the meet and greets and it was clear that that she was really into it. it was one of, I don't, they certainly don't do the meet and greets right now during COVID, but at the time it was like you would meet, uh, I think four princesses. It, it was a rotating cast. So you never kind of knew who was going to be mm-hmm. in there, but they, they did tell you in advance, like these are the princesses you will meet. So you don't stand in line and then realize, well, I, you know, the, the, the princesses I wanted to be weren't there. Uh, but so, you know, you kind of cycle through and you, you manage to get four out of the way. And then we hunted down princesses all over the park because at, at the time the app would tell you where they were going to be. And 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 sort of once I realized that that was how she wanted to interact and that's what made her happy. And once I accepted that, it just allows you, again, as a planner, you just go, okay, well, we're not here to do rides and that's okay. It's a little expensive for what it is, but (laughs) but the experience is still a unique experience. And once you sort of come to grips with that, if that's you know the way that your kid wants to go, I think it just it just allows you to stop stressing and enjoy it for what it is, especially with the young ones. Because if I forced her to get on a bunch of rides, like that's not good for either one of us. And the money has already been spent, so let's. If she doesn't want to do the rides, I'm not going to force her to do it. If we just want to chase princes around, that's okay, and that'll be the experience. So at that point, you know, you just you just sort of relax and have fun and roll with the punches and, and let the kids lead you. And I think that um, that will help cut down on stress because I think travel like this can be stressful. You know, you you're trying to bang out rides, people are hungry. You know, you paid a lot of money for this trip, and so just kind of again, sort of taking it for what it is and not trying to force things into what you think it's going to be, I think will go a lot, a long, long way in terms of enjoying the trip. And that's, that's pretty critical. And, you know, you make a good point too, about uh, just the capacity of the little ones. And, and particularly with the, when the, when the girls were younger, we had to, we figured out it's kind of like your experience. The first day was kind of a wreck. Second day was better, but third day we had it dialed in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can see how that was the same experience with you, but the, with the little kids, we kind of had to get this rhythm where, you know, do some exciting things. And then we've got some quiet, you know, mm-hmm. we do some quiet activities and then we do some more exciting and then, you know, do some more quiet activities throughout the day and just kind of, kind of let them, as you say, kind of set their own pace, but allow them to, uh, to, um, you know, keep the reserves up so that they have a good time. Yeah, because otherwise everyone's miserable, and that's that's not how you want to yeah. remember that trip. You just 
you just can't go hard for 12 hours. <laughs> you right. Got to pace yourself. Not with the little ones. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. You can also head over to our website, papayfatigue.club. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E.club to pick up some merch and use the discount code podcast for 10% off. Thanks for listening.